0: How many of you ever remember that phrase, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And you thought it was talking about you, right? Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning is thinking about the mirrors of life. And one of the mirrors that we have in life is the mirror of others, the hall of mirrors. And the other mirror is the mirror of God's Word. And so this morning we're going to be looking at that and thinking about the different mirrors that we have in life. As you can see, we have this little backdrop back here just to kind of give you an idea. And we live in a world called Generation Selfie. Any of y'all taking a selfie this week? Yes, I know you're embarrassed. All of you under 50, maybe. Some of you over 50. My parents are now taking selfies, getting their grandkids in there. Generation Selfie. We take more pictures now than we've ever taken before. It's amazing. With Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these different opportunities to take pictures. And some of you, your iPhones are, God forbid, you're not using an iPhone, you're using some some other tool that, like that, that you're taking pictures. Just kidding. I'm an Apple guy. We have thousands of pictures and mirrors everywhere. Some of you, you went and you tried on clothes for school and began to, to prepare yourself for school. And the first thing you did is you put an outfit on and you did what? You looked in the Mirror. There wasn't just one, was there? Usually there's three or four or five so you can get a full picture. Whether you want it or not, you get the full view of of how God's blessing you in different areas of your life. Okay? So this morning we're gonna be thinking about pictures and mirrors and how all those things impact us. We know what we look like. Whether we like it or not, we have a pretty good image of what we look like, and we've seen it through the mirror, we've seen it through the pictures, and we sometimes we like it, sometimes we don't, and we're trying to change our image. Maybe you buy clothes and you do things to, to project a certain image, but we know what we look like. But in Jesus' day, it was a whole lot different. They didn't have the mirrors that we have. They didn't have photography. As a matter of fact, even the art and the way that they were drawing was radically different. And so to have an image of who you were and, and really solidified in your mind was a unique concept. So this morning as we look at this, I want you to have that in your mind brewing and thinking, listen, a couple of thousand years ago, they didn't have the technology that we have, and they weren't as readily available, the image of how well we know ourselves. That we can look in a mirror and immediately go, yep, okay, I've got this going on and this, and we walk away and we don't really forget because we've got it there, but in their day was not as readily available. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. As we continue our series here in James, James chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says this, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many of you have heard that phrase, you've got two ears and one mouth, right? And so as you're growing up, your parents are saying, hey, listen, Maybe your boss has said, hey, listen. You've all these opportunities to just... We have two ears to listen and one mouth. God knew that we like to talk and talk about ourselves and talk about all kinds of different things. He gave us two ears so we can just stop and listen because there's opportunities for us to learn from one another and from others. Verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now one of the things that James is talking about here is this, this hall of mirrors, is what I want to call it. And it's this idea of that we are to live life in community. That we gather on a Sunday morning, that we gather here, and as people are walking in, you're saying hi to one another, and you're, you're smiling. Whether No matter what life is at, when you come to church, you work, work, work up the ability to have a smile, Right? And so you come into a place like this, and you say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And one of the things that we like is we like for people to know us. That when you walk into a room, you want at least one person that you can connect with. You can make eye contact with. Okay, cool. That's a safe place. I can go to that person, and I can sit down and have a conversation. I can walk past a thousand other people. But if there's at least one person in that room that knows me, it's a safe place. Listen. What James is talking about here is something deeper than that. He's saying it's not enough just to have someone in the room kind of know you and know your name and, and what you look like and you can wave to one another. What he's talking about is an intimate knowledge that they know you. That when you walk into a room that they know, hey, this is who Chris is and you've done life with them over a period of time. And as you've done life, you've had an opportunity to share, hey, here's my hurts. Here's my struggles Here's the opportunities where I've had failure in life. Here's the, the places that I'm looking for future opportunity. Here's my places of hope. And that can only happen if you begin to reveal over time who you truly are. And see, so, yeah, this is what scares us most about small groups or Sunday school or church or even inviting people over to dinner that are from church because as you begin to do life with one another then all of a sudden they're going to get to know you and we want people to know us we want to be able to walk into a room and people to know us but we don't truly want people to know who we are because if they begin to get to know who we truly are then they may not like us and so our human nature is we have this balance that we're trying to work out with inside of ourselves if we want to be known and be able to smile and have friends and as many friends as we can possibly have but to but to have these deep intimate friendships and relationships that takes time and that takes vulnerability and listen as a guy i'm not good at that so i know i can look around here and I mean, most of you guys this is not something being vulnerable is not very easy But when you do fishing trips together, when you do hunting trips together, when you go camping, when you begin to to do some of these life things together, over time you begin to know one another, good and bad. And this is what James is talking about, is that as we do life, there's a hall of mirrors. And as you begin to do life and you begin to know one another, there's this opportunity that sometimes you have as friends, that friends can speak life into you. Because they know you, they begin to see that things aren't quite going the way they should. They see that your life, that your vision, the way that you're acting, the way that you're doing life begins to get off track. And so good friends take time out and speak life into you because they love you and they care about you and they don't want you to walk down a path that you don't need to be walking. Listen, indifference finds an excuse. Indifference finds an excuse. Love finds a way to tell the truth indifference finds an excuse we make excuses to not speak truth into our friends lives because we're afraid that we're going to hurt their feelings we're afraid of whatever it is but if we truly love our friends if we truly love the people that we're in small group and sunday school with and do life with and listen some of you know a lot about each other but you don't know each other small town right You've heard the rumors and all that. And so you know a little bit, but you don't really know each other. But then those times that you get in, you've been doing life together to speak truth in those moments. It's actually life-giving and transforming because the hall of mirrors of people being able to spit that you trust, speaking truth into your life, and they're not there to hurt you or to harm you, but to bring you up and to lift you up and to see you transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't happen overnight. And listen, I know I come from the big city, and it is easy to move from church to church. Even in a smaller town, there's plenty of opportunities to seek out places. And so, so many times, whenever we get to know someone just enough, and they move us, okay? There's times to move churches, but it's sometimes that whenever whenever life begins to really hit the road, and people are able to speak life into us, instead of dealing with it and growing through it, and listen, it is painful when someone, someone speaks truth to us, we move away from it, because it's hurt. It hurts. Listen, I want to challenge you. If someone's speaking truth into your life and into your heart right now, to listen to it. Listen to it. If you trust them, you've been doing life with them long enough, trust them and hear it. And maybe that it's it's life-giving, that it's trimming away some of those things that don't need to be there, or you're moving in a path that maybe is not life-giving to you or to your family. Find out and listen to the truths that they're sharing. Because indifference finds an excuse, but love finds a way true friends will be with you at 2 a.m. in the morning, asking the tough questions, doing life with you. The hall of Mary's here, whenever it talks about, um, it talks about moral filth, or literally in, in mine, uh, some of the other ones, it talks about depraved living. It has this idea of earwax, you know, that, th- that stuff, that goop that just kind of builds up in there, right? So there's stories of people going into the doctor and they can't hear. they have having hearing problems. And they think, man, I need to go to the audiologist and, and get hearing aids or whatever. And lo and behold, it's not that they're growing old and they can't hear, but it's the fact that there's some earwax built up and they can't hear the truth. So the next time you go, huh, check your earwax. Listen, your friends are want to speak truth to you. And sometimes we're just going, huh, huh? And we've built up this indifference to people talking the truth to us. Because, listen, we've got a path and we're on our way and we know where we're going. And sometimes somebody speaks truth truth to us and we don't want to hear it. And James is saying, listen, remove the earwax. Allow yourself to listen. Maybe there's some truth in what they're telling you. It also says not only to remove the earwax, but it also says to remove the evil. Literally a cancerous growth. That there's something that's growing, with up, growing inside of you. And I, I personally, at this point in my own life, I've not dealt with cancer. I've had f- family members that have dealt with cancer. I know some of you are dealing with it. And it's one of those things that it just kind of pops up. You don't know that it's there, it's, it's hidden. And one day you go to the doctor, maybe there's some symptoms or something. And you go to the doctor and he says, Listen, I've got bad news. We've got to deal with this cancer. And nine times out of ten, what did do the doctor say? We've got to do what with the cancer? We don't want to watch it grow. We want to do what with it? We want to cut it out. We want to remove it. It's evil. It it is literally your body fighting against itself. And so we want to take that cancerous growth. We want to take that evil. And we're not going to watch it. We're not going to see what happens with it. We're going to literally, we're going to go in and do radical stuff to remove it. Now, my grandmother lived to be 95 years old, but when she was 29, she came down with cancer. She had throat cancer. And so my entire life that I knew her, she had this huge section of her her side of her face right over here that was missing. So as I got older, I began to ask, hey, Grandma, what happened? And she said, listen, I had cancer when I was 29 years old, and I went down to MD Anderson, and they said, the best solution for us and for you to live a long and lengthy life is for us to do a radical removal of that cancer. At 95, you know how many times from the time that she was 29 to 95, every year or so she would go back and do scans for a long time, and then finally at 40 they say, listen, you're cancer-free. Let's do checks along the way. At 95, she never had cancer again, okay? And one of the, I think one of the reasons is because they radically removed that cancer. Listen, there is stuff in your life that you're dealing with that's boiling underneath, and you don't want other people to know. There's symptoms. People maybe see symptoms of it in your life, but they don't know what it is, and you know that there's a cancer brewing inside of you, and you know that it's evil, and you've got to stop it, you've got to cut it out, and you've got to do some radical stuff to get rid of it. You know what it is. You know what you're struggling with. You know what the cancer is in your life, and you've been kind of watching it and hoping hoping that you can get rid of it, hoping that you can deal with it, and people maybe in your life have been telling you, hey, I'm seeing some stuff, but they don't really know, And they want to speak truth, but maybe they don't even fully know you because you don't allow them to fully know you. You've got to get the cancer out of your life. And one of the best ways to do that is to find some friends that you can trust and allow them to speak truth to you, but then also hold you accountable and do checkups. Because those checkups are important. Be able to say, hey, listen, here's who I am I've had a cancer. And i have radically doing whatever. I've done the radical stuff to remove it, but I also need you to stand by me and encourage me and hold me accountable and do doctor checkups with me. The hall of mirrors, the friends that we truly need to do life. And this is the stuff about church that in American culture we don't talk a whole lot about is we need each other. We don't just gather on Sunday to sing songs and to hear a great message or, or even not a great message. We gather to build friendships because it is a war zone outside of this place. It is a war zone. Listen, if you don't watch the news or see the news or internet, listen, we do not live in Mayberry anymore. And there's evil in our midst, there's stuff in our midst, and we've got to say, listen, I want to be a follower of Jesus and to honor Him and to bring Him fame. There's cancer in my life and other people's lives. We've got to fight this and remove it so that Second Baptist Church in LaGrange can be a place that's a lighthouse and a centrifuge for changing the world. But it's got to start here. And it's got to start with the friendships. You begin to say, listen, I need friends that I can call at 2 a.m. and say, listen, I'm struggling with fill in the blank. Because if you're not struggling with something, then you're not human. And we gather here together as a group of humans that have stuff, from our past stuff in our present and the good thing is that the, the relationship with jesus christ gives us hope even in the midst of those 2 a.m phone calls a hall of mirrors listen whenever someone speaks lies to you will it feel good all the time no it's going to hurt it's going to hurt discipline never feels good but decide that you want to take that next step, find some friends, and allow them to speak truth and to be known—not just high, but to be known of who you truly are. The second mirror that God, that James talks about here, is that individual mirror. So some of you see up here, I've got the the uh, full-length mirror. I went in last night and I was talking to Becky, and I was like, "What's the technical term for that mirror thing that that hangs on the door?" And she's like, "A full-length mirror." And I'm like, "Surely there's a more technical name that you women have come up with. This guys don't understand." She's like, no. And so, listen, those mirrors, now we have lights. If you've seen them, whenever they do, some of you have mirrors and it's got like 20 lights and you've got 20 times magnification, 50 times magnification. Listen, I I know I'm ugly. I don't need a 20 times, 50 times magnification to show even more stuff that I don't want to know about. That's what the Word of God is. And that's why we stray away from it. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word. Now, hey, guys, football season's coming, right? It's actually already here, but football season's coming. We're about to hit into it. And we had this discussion early on in our marriage. Do not ask Chris to do anything during a Cowboys game. Because we we went to serious marriage counseling over this. Because she would come and she would have these long discussions with me. She would be whispering in my ear, and, you know, she's standing behind me. She's talking to me. And the Cowboys are, are playing. And, you know, this is in the days when, when our quarterback didn't get hurt all the time. And <laughs> I don't know what that is. Anyway, and so we were, you know, Super Bowl years. And I'm screaming. I'm yelling. I'm on the couch. And she's asking me to do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I listened. But I didn't hear her. And so she would be surprised on Monday or Tuesday when the trash didn't go out or when I didn't cook a meal or do something like that, I'm like, you did, you asked me what? She goes, I sat there, listen, Tony Romo just threw a touchdown pass to Michael Irvin, and you were screaming, and I was telling you, take out the trash. I was like, listen, honey, I love you, I do, you know that I do, but in that moment, I may have listened, but I did not hear you, because if I had heard you, I would have responded and done it. Listen, that's what James is talking about here. We can listen to a lot of things, but until we hear it, there will not be action. Because there have been moments when I have spoken gentle words of love and encouragement to my children. And they have listened, but by the actions or the non-actions, I know that they haven't heard. The same is true for us. God has spoken to us. Sometimes he's constantly speaking to us. But until there's action in response to that hearing, we don't truly hear. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face or woman who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, listen. We talked about when we opened up. We live in a radically different culture. We've got thousands of selfies, thousands of pictures. I mean, I, some of you now have selfie sticks, and so you're out there and you know making all kinds of weird faces and trying to include. it. I mean, my my mission in life is to photobomb as many selfies as I possibly can. And so, if you're taking one and I'm nearby, I'm going to work something in there. Okay? And so we we understand what we look like, but in this day. All they had was a coffee table that was made of silver, and they would literally have to stoop over. I've talked about this last few weeks. They would have to stoop over and look intently. Now, again, they didn't have photographs of themselves. There wasn't someone, there was a great artist going around and doing the, the artistic drawings of someone's face and, and features like even we have today. They, they would have different types of drawings. So they really didn't know, have the grasp of what they look like like we do. So they are, they are looking for something. Why? Because they know that they're about to go to an event and someone's going to see them and they don't want to be embarrassed. The last thing you want to do is walk into the first day of school and into a class and your pants are unzipped or you got a bat in a cave, Right? Something's hanging out. You don't want, and so you've looked at yourself, right, guys and girls, you looked at yourself. You've got dressed, and you're like, hmm, God did good with me today, right? And so you're excited about presenting your best self on the first day of school, and you've examined yourself intently. There are no fleeting glances. All the lights are there, and you're looking and saying, God, you did good with me. Those ladies are going to be pleased with the creation that you've made. And so you're walking in, and the last thing you want after all this time that you've spent is for your pants to be unzipped. Or something not right. Am I correct? It's a fear, isn't it? You don't want to be embarrassed. And the same thing is true here. But how many times do we walk out into the world and we're embarrassed because we haven't looked intently into the Word of God? We don't truly know the Word of God and haven't been transformed and we're not dressed and ready for what's before us. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues, this is a continual action, not just on Sunday morning, but it's a continual life thing, continually, lifely, every day, every single moment, looking into the perfect law and not forgetting what he has heard but doing it. He'll be blessed in what he does. Listen, the best way for us to learn is to put it into practice. We're going to learn concepts in chemistry. We're going to learn things in biology. We're going to learn things in pre-calculus. And all those different things are just theories until we put them into practice. You're going to be in physics class. And one of the best things about physics is that you can make roller coasters. Why? You begin to see that there's practical applications to these truths and these principles. There's a lot of stuff in here that sometimes we read it and we're like, it doesn't make sense but then you begin to live it out and begin to try to put it into practice and all of a sudden it begins to take root in your heart and your mind and your soul and you're like, this is why God is saying this. They're not just theories, but they're principles and truths that when you put them into practice begins to make sense and to change your life, begin to change the way you think, the way that you see people and how you do life. It brings freedom to you. We have the hall of mirrors and then the, the individual mirror, Right? hearing those of us that hear but don't act we're just auditing the course i did that a couple of times and the reason i did it was because i knew that i wasn't interested in the material but i needed the class and so i would audit the course and i would sit through it and literally i would just by just attending the class and showing myself there i was able to get credit all i had to do was get a p or an f and i needed a p and i needed to be there often enough to get this passing grade and so i was there enough and you know how much of the of the professors' talks that I remember? Zero. Attendance was all that I needed. Let's be honest. How many times have you come to church, gone to a small group and looking for a P or an F? Looking for that checkbox? You don't remember one thing, you didn't even care. You're just checking it off. Been there. James is saying, be attentive to my word and allow it to soak in and to marinate into your heart and into your soul and to change you. And the only way that you can do that is by continually spending time in it, not just on Sunday morning, but it becomes a part of who you are and that you're putting the theories and the principles of God's word into practice, into your heart and life, and begins to change you and transform you and you begin to understand who God is and what he's talking about. This is not a a religion where we just come and we we give an offering and we just hum and we do things. Listen, this is the thing about Christianity that's different from anything else in the world, any other religion in the world, is that we can truly have a relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe. As we begin to do life in the way that he teaches us to do life, it changes everything. Everything changes when you begin to put these truths and these principles into practice. It changes families, changes individuals. It changes generations when you put them into practice. And sometimes it's a 20 to 50 time magnification and it is glaring back to you. And you're seeing what God's saying and you're like, listen, God, I know that I need to make some changes. And today is going to be the beginning of that day. You have the hall of mirrors and then the, the individual mirror, whichever size you want. You've got the Full length mirror, you got the personal mirror. Those. Some of you, even ladies, I understand now that you can open up your purse and inside of your purse you have these individual mirrors as well, right? Oh, none of the ladies here have those, okay. Well, those are only in other places that have these mirrors so you can continually check. When you continually check and you begin to see mirrors, transformation happens. If you're not happy with the way that you look, you can change it. Did you know that? If you're not happy with the way you look, you can change it. You can go down here to Bell's, you can go to Katie, you can go to Katie Mills, you can go to to Bastrop or whatever, and you can set yourself up. You can change the clothes you wear. You can go to the gym, the LaGrange gym, any other gym. You can go there and begin to work out and transform yourself. If you don't like the image you're seeing, you can make those transformations. It may take time, it may hurt, it may cost money, but it can happen. James is telling us. If you allow the Hall of Mirrors, if you allow people to know you and to speak life-giving truth to you, and you don't like what they're saying that that are the things that are true, you can change that. You can begin to make those transformations. Is it going to be painful? Yes. You're going to be sore. Yes. As you allow God's Word to to marinate into your soul and begin to transform your heart and your mind and the way that you think and the way that you act, you can transform and you can do that. But it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. Allow God's word. Allow the mirrors of your friendships to begin to transform you into the image of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we admit in this room that we are not perfect. We admit that maybe even some of us, we've come into this coming to this place today and we're just trying to get a passing grade. We're checking off the list of tasks, of things to do on Sunday and had no intention of encountering you. Father, I pray this morning for each one of us is that as we we build friendships, that we allow people to speak life to us. And sometimes that truth will be will hurt a little bit and sting, be painful, but it's They're our friends, and our friends will find a way to speak truth when they can. Father, may more of us be known. Father, I pray that as we read your word, that as we we allow it to marinate and to soak in, as we see the reflection of who you want us to be, may we begin to put those things into practice. May it not just be fleeting glances, but truly just, just spend time with you and get to know you. And to see the changes that are made. Father, for you desire the best for us. You love us and you care for us. And you want us to live life and freedom, not in bondage. And those mirrors allow us to be free from the things that are keeping us in bondage. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.